Always good to be in this church. I enjoy coming. The drive at one hour, 15 minutes from the south side of Brisbane to come and the south side, yeah. <laughs> to come and share the word of God with this lovely church. I, I enjoy being with you and pray that every time that I, I'm able to step on this platform, the word of God that I share is a blessing for this church. Amen. So thank you, Pastor Ben, for the invitation. And, um, and we pray that today you will be blessed by the word of God. Amen. God is good. And all the time, you want to speak a little bit of Spanish? Come on. Say, Dios es bueno. Yeah, you did well. Say it again. Dios es bueno. Italian. Dio es bueno. Tongues. That's up to you. <laughs> yeah. Amen. God is good. Amen. Praise God. I, I, I'm Spanish from origin. My mother's from Spain, Barcelona. My father's from Chile, South America. My wife is from El Salvador, Central America. So my children, they can pick and choose where they want to be from. <laughs> Just depends who's playing in the World Cup. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Well it's, well, it's good to be able to share the Word of God. Yeah, Pastor Ben did say, uh, give me a bit of a, a thought of what to share today. We're going to be talking about... <clears throat> The work of an evangelist. The work of an evangelist. Tell the person beside you, you are an evangelist. <clears throat> Come on, don't look at them and, and, and doubt. Come on, say, you are an evangelist. Don't say you. They say, you are an evangelist. Amen? We're going to look at that this morning. Open your Bibles to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. And you're going to understand that we are all called to do the work of an evangelist. And what does that mean? What does that entail? God is looking for the body of Christ to be evangelistic, to get back into evangelism. And that role is played by you and me. Amen? So 2 Timothy 4 verse 5, the apostle Paul talking to Timothy, teaching him, and he says this in the following verse, but you watch in all things, Endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of your ministry. Now notice the words that the Apostle Paul says to Timothy. He says to him, do the work of an evangelist. This is different to the gift of an evangelist that we're going to look at in a few minutes. He's telling him in the midst of what you do in your ministry, the, the, uh, Timothy was a pastor of a church, of a quite significant church, He's in the midst of everything you do, the worship, the, the fellowship, and everything that entails church life. And you personally, Timothy, in your ministry, do not forget to do the work of an evangelist. Amen? And that, and that word work there is ergon. It means action. So evangelism is action. It's something that we do. And the word evangelist is literally one who brings the good news. Now, in our case, it's the good news of the gospel. But really, if you've ever gone to a, a good restaurant and you enjoyed the food and you enjoyed the, the, uh, the way they, they uh, treated you and, and the hospitality, and you walk out of that restaurant and you start talking to your friends and you start telling them how good that restaurant is, how good the food is, the price that it is, you are actually there being an evangelist. 
because you are sharing the good news about that restaurant. How many of you like Krispy Kremes? Krispy Kremes, yeah? So you go around and you talk about Krispy Kreme donuts and how, how, how beautiful it is and the, how the chocolate top one and, and the, the original glaze. And, you, and you're giving information, you're giving a message about an experience that you had. You're actually evangelizing. You're being an evangelist of Krispy Kremes. You're sharing the good news about Krispy Kreme donuts. And maybe someone, as a result of your evangelism, will go to Krispy Kreme and, and try a donut just based on what you told them. So that, that's what an evangelist is, one that bears good news. But in our, in our case, talking about church, an evangelist is one that shares the good news of the gospel. We share the good news of Jesus to those who need to hear it. Amen? We proclaim and we publish to those that do not know how good Jesus is. That we are recipients of the greatest message ever told. That we are saved, that we are born again. The gospel message that needs to be heard today. Someone once said, the simple definition of evangelism is those who know telling those who don't know. That's the simple definition of evangelism. Those who know telling those who don't know. So every church must be a fivefold ministry church. I want you to hear that. Every church must be a fivefold ministry church. Some churches will major on one ministry gift more than another, amen, but we need all the ministry gifts functioning in the church to a certain degree so that the church can be edified and built up. If we read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, it says, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. What for? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. So every church, to some degree, must be fivefold ministry. Okay? In some way, each one of these ministry gifts must be functioning in the church. Now, granted, each church will major on one more than another. So, for example, an apostolic church. What's an apostolic church? An apostolic church, and I'm just giving you a few thoughts here because I want to talk about evangelists, but an apostolic church is a church with a strong emphasis on the supernatural. An apostolic church is a church that has a real breakthrough anointing. There's a real go get him, breaking new ground, always going into something new, something fresh. Apostolic church is a church that's big on the gifts of the Spirit, deliverance spiritual warfare. So have you, there's some churches that are big on this. It's spiritual warfare. It's deliverance. It's casting out demons. It's the supernatural. It's, it's a breakthrough. You just come through one thing, we're going to go to the next thing. It's like, whoa, that kind of a church is pretty full on. Amen. So there'll be some churches that will be evident apostolic, but Every church must have a dimension of apostle anointing. Amen. How many of you believe that we need the supernatural? 
We need deliverance in the church. We need breakthrough anointing. We need, we need a sense of spiritual warfare. And that should be interwined in the life of the church. Maybe this church or any other church might not major on it. That's not the, 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 the greatest thrust of the church, but it must be in the church. Then there are prophetic churches. These churches uh, have an emphasis of proclaiming a now message from God inspired by the Spirit. So there's a lot of inspiration. Thus says the Lord. That when, when the preaching, the preaching is, is, in, is a sense of God is saying this now. It's a now message. And prophetic churches also uh, are churches that are calling the people back continually to God. And there's a strong emphasis on repentance. And it's very inspirational. Very inspirational. So uh, even the gift of prophecy, of prophecy will function in the church. Uh, you know, you go to some churches and every, every Sunday there's prophetic words. Uh, the pastor or the preacher will have a, a sense of a prophetic anointing on his life. So there's some churches that major on the prophetic. It's all prophetic. It's all prophetic. I've gone to those kind of churches. Sometimes they can be up here in, in, in a, a little bit too in la-la land. <laughs> because it's like, wow, man. You know what God told me? And, and it's, it's great. Amen? But you just can't be just prophetic. You can't just be apostolic. All these have to interwine in the church so that the church can be strong. Amen? So we need the prophetic. Second Peter 1.21, For prophecy came not in old times by the will of man, but by holy men of God, as they, as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So we need speaking and preaching that is moved by the Holy Spirit in the church. Amen? Then there's the gift of evangelists. An evangelistic church is a church that has a strong emphasis on soul winning and reaching the lost. There are churches that that's all they do. That's all they, they are consumed with. Let's reach the lost. Let's reach the lost. Let's reach the lost. And that's great. And that must be part of our church. But there are some churches that that's the greatest emphasis. That's what they're called for. We are an evangelistic church. We're reaching the lost. Everything that they do in the church revolves around reaching the lost. And they major on that. Then there's the pastoral churches. These churches are churches that are very caring, nurturing, and it's all about feeding God's people, creating a safe place, a safe space. Patting people on the back. We love you. We love you here. We love you very much here. We love you. <laughs> very pastoral. Amen. Very nurturing. Every church must be pastoral. Amen. And then the last one is there's uh, the, the gift of teaching. And so this thrust in, in a church is where it's all about learning. It's all about uh, instruction or line upon line. There are some churches that it's, their strong emphasis is on teaching. Teaching. They'll teach the Word of God. It's all about learning. Amen? And that's part and parcel of a church. So we must, the church must be apostolic, must be prophetic, must be evangelistic, must be pastoral, must be teaching. But like I said before, there will be some churches that will major on one of these more than others. Uh, you think about what, what's this church? What do you think this church is? What's, what's, what's the greatest thrust of this church? Although they should all be in this church to a certain degree, but is this church apostolic? Is this church prophetic? Is the church evangelistic, pastoral, or is this church a teaching church? Now, having said that, this is what I want to I really emphasize for the next few minutes. When, when it comes to the gift of evangelist, 
every church, regardless whether we say we're pastoral, apostolic, prophetic, teaching, every church has, be called, has been called to be evangelistic. So we can't say, no, no, we're an apostolic church, we're not, we don't evangelize. Or we're just a teaching church, we're strong in teaching, we just want to teach the word of faith, we just want to teach faith, we just want to teach the word of God, and we're not too, we're not too interested about being evangelistic. No. No matter what thrust God's given to us, center must be the gift of evangelists. Can you say amen, church, this morning? Can you shout a big amen? Praise God. And so... Every church and every Christian is called to evangelize and to reach out to the lost with the good news of the gospel, amen, and evangelist anointing or evangelist gift or the work of an evangelist must be center in the life of every single church that exists. The church is not complete without the role of evangelist. Think about that. So that's why as pastors and as a leadership of a church, we should always be, always be coming back to, are we evangelizing? Is evangelism part of our church culture? And if not, we need to get it in there. Because the apostle Paul said to, to Timothy, you're pastor and you're very pastoral, but you need to make sure you do the work of an evangelist. You might not have the gift of evangelist, but you can do the work of an evangelist. There's a role and that we can all do Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Huh? To every creature. I love that. The gospel message is the greatest message ever told. And the gospel message can be given and shared with every creature. That word creature, a little bit deeper, means culture. So the gospel message is a message that speaks to every culture. Can you say amen, church? But look what it says. Go. You have to go. Go into the world. As a church, we're big on saying you have to come. We say come to my church. Jesus says go to the world. See, and, and, and speak the gospel to every creature. The church is not a morgue. The church should not be a monument. The church is a hospital. And it must have a maternity ward. Imagine a hospital without a maternity ward. The church is a hospital and must have a maternity ward. Any church without an evangelist thrust or anointing will eventually become a cemetery. Can I just be blunt? <laughs> if there's no, if, if, if we're just apostolic, 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 that's who we're going to attract, apostolic people. If we're just teaching and teaching and teaching, that's all we got. We're going to get a big hit. We're going to have a lot of theology. We're going to know a lot about the Bible. But eventually the church will die out. It will become a cemetery. Oswald, Oswald Smith wrote, Any church that is not seriously involved in helping fulfill the Great Commission has forfeited its biblical right to exist. The church, listen to this, the church does not exist to entertain the saved. It exists, listen, to train disciples to glorify God and to train disciples to reach the lost. I love that. Because today, we've created or created church around entertaining the saved. 
We're having a jolly good time every Sunday morning, and we are catering to saved people. But the church does not exist to entertain the saved. The church exists to train disciples to glorify God and to reach the lost. Can you shout amen, church? Come on. Not all Christians or church has the gift of evangelists, but we must all evangelize. Now, the gift, the gift of evangelists is, is we have an image of that. It's someone that, that preaches on a, on a platform or, or, or has a real anointing to go out to the streets. But, but the role and the work of evangelists is for every Christian. I want you to think about that. So we can't say, oh, no, I don't, I don't have the gift of evangelists. We do. We do. God's given it to us. Can you say amen, church? Evangelism is a command given to all, and becoming a follower of Christ includes becoming a fisher of men. We cannot say that's not for me or that's not who I am. One writer said this, evangelism is not a professional job for a few trained men, but instead it's the unrelenting responsibility of every person who belongs to the company of Jesus. Tell the person beside you, you are an evangelist. Come on, tell them you are an evangelist. It's our responsibility. It's not just for the ones that have been ordained. It's not just for the ones that have been prayed over. It is the responsibility of every Christian. The gospel is not for us to take it and put it on a shelf and just say, oh, well, I'm going to heaven, I'm going to heaven, I'm gonna, I, I, I've got this great gift. The gospel has been given to be given. The gospel has been given to be given. Can you say amen? I keep saying can you say amen because I like to hear your feedback. Say amen in Spanish. Amen. <laughs> That's how you say it. <laughs> Praise God. Listen, I'm doing a bit of teaching. I'm teaching, preaching a little bit different from how I usually do because I, I want to honor the, the, the man of the house that said, can you share in that direction? And I believe that's the thrust that God wants for this church. There's an emphasis there. There's evangelism going on. And, and, God, and that's exciting when a church starts evangelizing. It gets exciting, doesn't it? You're sharing the good news of Jesus. But listen to this. Sometimes we often overcomplicate evangelism. We complicate evangelism in the church. And I've been in church my whole life. I was in church in my mother's womb. And, and that's all I know. And, and I think that sometimes we overcomplicate this gift or this work of an evangelist. It really should not be a program. So we want, in, in the church, we want to program everything. We want to plan everything. And so we created evangelism as a, it's a program that we do. But really, if you're a Christian, evangelism is not a program. It's an opportunity that you look for. Hallelujah. So you're walking throughout the week and you're just going to work or you're in the shopping center and you're, you're looking for opportunities, not for a program. You're looking for opportunities, not for the pastor to tell you. You're listening to the Holy Spirit, and you're being organic in sharing the good news of the gospel when God gives you an opportunity to share it. You don't have to get a Bible and begin to say, I'm going to play baseball with your head. Come here, come here, come here. 
You don't have to be, you don't, you don't have to go and you don't have to quote scripture. You just share the good news of the gospel when God opens that door. But I've seen something in the church, and, and as I travel and as and, and as I witness church life, that there's there's something that we do in the church, and it's we overcomplicate things. We overprogram things. We want to package everything. Amen. We want to organize everything. And if you look at the book of Acts Church, they were very organic. Not organic in what we're thinking today, what you eat. They were organic in the life. In the life. It was an organism. It was, it was a life church. So, so then they, they walk in the streets and Peter's shadow is healing people. Uh, Peter, outside the temple, not in the temple, picks up a man and says, Silver and God have I none but what I do have. I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. And the man starts walking and starts running and starts jumping. A crowd comes around. And Peter doesn't say, oops, I better wait till Sunday to preach to them. Peter just goes into evangelism mode. He just starts sharing the good news. The apostle Paul was in Athens one day. And he's standing in Athens. I think it's Acts chapter uh, 20, 21. He's standing in 18 maybe. He's standing in Athens, and he's waiting for Timothy to come to Athens. And he says, while he waited in the plaza, he looked around. See, this is the, you, it's, not a, it's not a time, it's, it's not a program, it's not a day. It's not an event. It's an opportunity. We, we Christians have something to give to this world. This, this world is hurting. This world is dying. This world without Christ is going to hell and we have the message of salvation we have the good message of for the hurting and for the broken for those bound by sin and bound by religion and so the apostle Paul is looking at Athens and I love the apostle Paul can you imagine this man he was he, this man they say he was small bald and he had a he walked like with like this because he, he too much riding horses and riding donkeys so he had a bit of a but my when he opened his mouth so can you imagine Paul in, in, in the plaza of Athens looking around? And he says, and he saw that the city was wholly given over to idolatry. And it says this, and he got stirred up. Do we get stirred up anymore in the church? Do we get agitated about how this world is bound by sin? Amen. Or, see, it's, it's, it's taking time to look at the condition of man and seeing that Without Christ, they are, they are eternally lost. And so Paul sees that, and, he's, and he starts preaching. He says he first went to the synagogue, so he went to tell the church off. He says, how can it be that this city is given over completely to idolatry, and you're having church, and you're comfortable with that? Then he, he went to the members. He spoke to the leadership. You can read it there. He spoke to the leadership of, of the synagogue, which represents the church. And he says, how can this be? What are you doing that the world is given completely over to, to idolatry and you're comfortable just having church on Saturdays? They were having it on Saturday. And then after he spoke to the leadership, he spoke to the members. He says, you guys, you're driving your, well, they weren't driving their cars. You're riding your donkeys and you're riding your, your, your mules and you're walking to the synagogue. And while you're walking, you're walking past all these idols. You're walking past the hurting and the broken and not one of you. What, what, what are you doing? Are you being the salt and the light of the earth? Paul challenges them. And then, then he goes to the marketplace. So he went to the leadership, he went to the members, and then he went to the marketplace and he began to share with them 
about Jesus. He started sharing Jesus with them. And, and something powerful broke out in that city. Why? The Apostle Paul, the disciples understood evangelism is not an event. It's a lifestyle. And we need to, we need to get this, this work of an evangelist back in the church. It's not a program. It's not a flyer. It's not an ordination. It's much more simple than that. In Acts chapter 8, there's a man by the name of Philip who, if you read, he went to Samaria and he preached the gospel there and signs and wonders are happening all over the place. But this is, this is the interesting part to me. He was not called an evangelist. It says this, and Philip went to Samaria. He's not called an evangelist. He didn't say, please pray for me first and name me an evangelist before I go and be an evangelist. Amen. He just went. See, because... That's what we do. That's what we do. We share the gospel. The, the apostles want me in Samaria. I'll go to Samaria and I'll just preach. I'll share the gospel. And, and God confirms the gospel with signs and wonders. Miracles are happening. And he's not quite evangelist. Then, then the, the Spirit of God takes him from Samaria, thrusts him into the desert for one soul. And there's a man reading the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah, and he's reading it. And, 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 and he's, he's uh, Philip going... He's probably thinking, man, why did God take me away from that revival? The church is growing. I'm having fun over there. And he brings me out to the desert for one soul. Well, that's what we do for the one. That's the evangelist anointing, the evangelist thrust that we need in the body of Christ today. Where we're not just consumed with events, but we're consumed with fulfilling the Great Commission. But we don't, I love Sunday mornings, but this is, this is just part of our Christianity we come here to worship Jesus, to, to praise Him, to hear a message, to be trained, and then go out in these next five days, six days, and be the light of the world, and be the salt of the world, and look for opportunities to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, whether it's, it's, it's from here to a crowd, or whether it's at the shopping center with the one. And, and being attentive, being attentive, because the, the, the Philip... Philip is listening to the man. The man's reading the, the, the Old Testament. And, and Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? What a wonderful way to start a conversation. Do you understand what you're reading? And the man says, how can I if someone doesn't explain to me what I'm reading? And Philip said, opportunity. And he began to explain to him. The one you're reading about there, he was talking about the sheep that's taken to the slaughter, his name is Jesus. And they got on the chariot, then there's the water. What forbids me to be baptized, says the man? Nothing. Believe on Jesus Christ, and you can. And he baptized him. But this is the interesting part, beloved brother and sister. He didn't have a title. He's not called Evangelist Philip until Acts chapter 21. For the first time, the writer of, of Acts, the Holy Spirit, says, and uh, Philip, the evangelist, who was once part of the seven. So it reminds us, he wasn't always an evangelist. He was once part of the seven. But he was, he was doing the work of an evangelist. See, today, are you ready for this? Today, we're big on titles. Today, we're big on ordination. Today, we're big on, on platform. Platform. 
And I, I, I believe that, I believe God's getting ready to do something. He's getting ready to, to thrust a big anointing upon, upon the pew. Because when we started this message, if, if I asked you, what do you think an evangelist is? I can guarantee you 90% of the congregation would have thought of an evangelist as someone on a platform with a suit and a tie, with beautiful hair and, and blue eyes, tall, that shouts, that's an evangelist. You would have thought of the, in the 80s and the 90s, TV evangelists. Amen. And that's our thought. But now you start thinking, no, hang on a minute, I'm an evangelist. I've been given the gospel. I have been given the command to do the work of an evangelist. And I don't need Pastor Ben to lay hands on me on a Sunday morning and say, okay, now you can evangelize. Or now you're an evangelist. No. Jesus has already ordained me. Hallelujah. He has already commissioned me. And then later on, if God sees fit, there will be the gift of evangelists. And then someone will anoint us and, and we will function in that gift and God will use us powerfully. Can you shout amen? Praise God. How long do we have to go? I'm just halfway through. Praise God. Let's hurry up. Someone say, hurry up, pastor. Hurry up, pastor. Come on. This is this. Yo, I'm starting to wrap it up. Are you ready? Start. Now I'm going to give you some instructions. Start publishing what God has done in your life. And start sharing the good news. So number one, share your faith. Share your faith. The gospel is not for us to keep, it is for us to give. And it's the message that keeps on giving. It never gets old. Share your faith. How did God save you? Who were you before Christ? How was your salvation experience? I once was like this, but now God's done this in my life. Just share your faith. Share your experience. One of the greatest things that I've heard in church life is, Pastor, but I don't know the Bible, I don't know Scripture. Just share your faith. Like the man that, that his eyes were, in John chapter 9, his blinded eyes were open. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees are asking him, what's happened to you? What's happened to you? And, and, and he eventually said to them, look, I don't, I don't know what's really happened here. I can't theologically explain it. I can't really break it down, ABCs of this, of this good thing that has happened to me. But one thing I can tell you, I was blind and now I see. I was blind and now I see. You might say, you know what? I don't know the Bible from cover to cover. I might not know theology, but I know who I was and who I am. I know how I used to act and how I act now. I know that I'm not where I used to be. Come on. I might not be where, I'm, where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. And I'm just going to start sharing what God has done in my life. I was bound by sin. I was bound by drugs. I was bound by alcohol. I was abusive. I had an anger problem. I was lost. And God came and saved me. And now I have joy. Now I have peace. Now I, I love Jesus. Now my, my marriage has changed. Come on, church. Now I love my children. Something has happened. I can't explain it to you theologically, but I do know that I'm not who I used to be. And your, your faith, your testimony will be an eye-opener for the hurting and for the broken and for the lost. One of the greatest mistakes that we make is think that people don't want to hear the gospel. They do. We're living in a time of bad news. We're living in a time of fear and anxiety. And you'll be surprised how people will listen to you. 
I've had opportunities on a plane to, to just sort of look for the opportunity, just start the conversation. You know, Jesus was the master evangelist. And you just see him having a conversation with people. And in the conversation, questions come, answers come. Amen. And salvation comes. So just share your faith. Share your faith. Number two, understand man's lost condition without Christ. Think about that. Understand man's lost condition without Christ, that they are eternally lost. If we get a, a revelation of man's eternity, it'll change the way we deal with people. If I had put a picture up here of, of you know, hell, the lake of fire, and you see all these hands lifted up out of the fire pit, crying out for help. That's man's condition without Christ. I, was sit, I, was, I went to a shopping center one day and I just stood. It was at Indrapilly Shopping Center. I just stood in the corner and I was watching all these people walking past. I was watching, the, looking at their face, looking at them with their children. And the Lord said to me, every one of these people here have an eternity. Every single one of them will live forever. And they are going to heaven or to hell. Do you know that this week while you're driving your car, if you look at other people's faces, you're going to see faces you've never seen in your whole life and you'll never see again. That's, that's an interesting prospect. That we're going to come across people this week that inside is eternity. So one of the ways that we do the work of an evangelist is understanding their lost condition. And that, can you imagine, if, if, I, if I had a, a pill, if I had a pill that was the cure for cancer, and I just kept it in my pocket, and just kept it for me, myself, and I, that, that'll be, that would be sad. That would be criminal. Amen. What would I do? I would go and share, I've got a pill. A pill that can cure cancer. This is good news. I would talk about it. I would go to the government, say, give me a million dollars and I'll give you this pill. We, we wouldn't keep it quiet, but yet we have, we have the greatest message, the gospel message, the message of Jesus and the cross and resurrection and his forgiveness and his love, and we just sometimes keep it. It's because we don't, we don't have a revelation of people have an eternity, our family members, our friends. Amen, church? Are we getting something out of this this morning, church? I, I, I want to encourage us to do the work of an evangelist. We don't need to be ordained. We just need to be a Christian. We just need to be a believer. Amen? What's our qualification? I'm a Christian. You qualify. You qualify. At the end of the day, the biggest obstacle to evangelism is Christians who don't share the gospel. Not the devil. The biggest obstacle to evangelism is Christians who do not share the gospel. Just a few more thoughts. Mark chapter 5, verse 19 and 20. Powerful passage of Scripture. There's a man who was demon-possessed with a legion of demons. Legion. They say 6,000 demons in this man. The Bible says he was, he was uh, abusing himself. He was cutting himself. He, was living, he lived in the caves. He ran around naked. 
and he was crying out. And he had everyone in the city terrified. No one would give him, give him time. He was an outcast, roaming the, 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 the cemeteries, roaming the dead places. But it's interesting that it says there, he was crying out. He was crying out. Broken, hurting, roaming the dead places, outcast, rejected. He's crying out. Can someone help me? Can someone give me, give me attention? Can someone give me an, a way out of this? And no one would approach him. Jesus got on a boat and began heading his way to the area of the Gadarenes. The devil knew that and the devil tried to stop Jesus from getting there. Jesus arrives there and Jesus delivers this man, casts out every one of those demons that had him bound. The demons go into pigs. The poor pigs went down the hill and they fell into the water and they died. The men of the city came running out and listen to this. And they found this man who was demon possessed, who was cutting himself, who was roaming the mountains in dead places, who was an outcast. They found him sitting at Jesus' feet. That means now he's peace. Now he's stable. They found him clothed. He had clothes on. God covered him, covered his shame, covered his sin. And it says there, and he was in his right mind. What a miracle. Sitting, clothed in his right mind like that. But this is the interesting part. Listen to this. Jesus says to this man, I've got to go. And the man says to Jesus, I want to go with you. I want to follow you. And Jesus, right there and then, tells him, tells him, go and do the work of an evangelist. Let's read it. Let's read it. Look at this. Mark chapter 5, verse 19 and 20. Look at this. Mark chapter 5, 19 and 20. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your family. Oh, hallelujah. To your friends. This is evangelism, church. And tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled. Come on, that was a good moment to say amen, amen. That's great. That's a, what a powerful message. See, me as a pastor, I, I would have said to him, you got to do a course first. I said, you've been demon-possessed for too long. <laughs> you've been running, running around the, the countryside naked. Everyone has seen you naked. You've got to just go, go incognito for a little while. Come to church every Sunday. Just sit there quietly. Let me disciple you first before you go out and start sharing the good news of the gospel. Not Jesus. Not Jesus. Oh, come on, church. Get exci I'm excited this morning. Come on. Not Jesus. I might, I might oh, I stop somewhere on the way home and just evangelize to someone. <laughs> Not Jesus. He's a man who no one, no one would even give him a dollar. No, no one would even think he's, he's worthy. And Jesus says, you know what? You're not going to follow me. You're going to go and do the work of an evangelist. You're going to go and share the good news of what Jesus has done in your life. And he went. Number one, listen to this. Jesus said to him, go to your family. Start with your family. Start with your family today. Number two, he says there, go to your friends. So share the good news of what Jesus has done in your life with your family, with your family, and your friends, your circle of friends. 
And then it says there, he went to Decapolis. Decapolis just means 10 cities. Decapolis, 10 cities. Metropolis, 10, Deca, 10 cities. Amazing. This guy went from one city to the next. He took it seriously. We need men like this in our church, don't we, brother? They just take it seriously. Boom, boom, they go all over the city. They go all over the suburbs sharing the good news of the gospel. Start with your family. Share. Share. Start with your friends. Just share. And then start going to the cities. Amen? We don't want to evangelize the world and we lose our home. Start. Jesus was, was uh, very, very interested on home first. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. As a pastor, myself personally, I don't want to be good at creating disciples in church that I don't create disciples at home. My greatest disciple making is my children. I have four. The oldest is turning 23. I have a daughter who's turning 18. So I've got the gun ready here. <laughs> I have a little, I have a 15-year-old, and I have a little eight-year-old. I don't want to be, an ev- and, and, and I've got, I've got the, uh, the anointing of evangelists. I've preached in many nations. I don't want to be a, you know, an evangelist to the nations, and I can't evangelize my home. You start with your family. Start there. Friends, Decapolis. Amen. Praise God. Witness. Share the gospel. Share the gospel, not the gossip. Share the gospel. Tell your friends the good news of Jesus, not the bad news about the church. Don't go and tell them the bad news about what's going on with brother so-and-so. Amen. Uh, hey, I've been in church a long time. I, I know people don't share the gospel. They, they share the gossip. They share the gossip. They're good at sharing the gossip. <laughs> so they go to their friends. Do you know what's going on? No. Oh, let me tell you. <laughs> let me share with you what's going on. No, share the gospel. God is good. He's good all the time. Publish. I, know, I love that word there, publish. Sister, come and play the piano a little bit if you can. Yeah, you, because if you don't start playing, I won't start finishing. You, that, that, that's a good indicator for me. Like I, in my home church, my, my, my kids play. My, my son leads our worship. My daughter plays our keyboard. So they come up around 35 minutes to start playing. But then I have them up there for 20 more minutes <laughs> while they're playing. You know, okay. But no, this, this won't be 20 minutes. Because this is a good congregation. You got, you, you're getting it, aren't you? You're getting it. Do the work of an evangelist. I love what Jesus said to this man, publish, publish the good things that the Lord has done. Publish means to herald, to proclaim, to announce. The woman at the, at the, the Samaritan woman at the well. The Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus is talking. This, this is Jesus' evangelism 101. He's just talking to her. Who are you? She says, well, who are you? She's like, and, and, and Jesus starts talking to him. Notice he doesn't go boom for the, for, the, for, the, for the kill, you know. He's just talking to her. Yeah, I know your life. You've got five husbands and you're living with, in de facto now with the sixth one. I know who you are. And then she asks, who are you? You seem like a prophet. So he's talking. Conversation. We've lost the art of conversation. That's evangelism. Conversation. Then one question leads to another. And here we go. And, and then the woman's eyes start opening up. And it says, and she, 
she was, she was saved. She left the water pot and she went back into the city. And, and, it's, and, and she became an evangelist. She was a woman evangelist. The first woman evangelist in the Bible. It says the woman left her water pot, went her way to the city and said to the men, Come, come and see a man who told me everything that I ever did. Could he be the Christ? The, the, the proper word there is, he is the Christ. Now listen to this. This is how good she was. Then, they, then all of them went out of the city and came to Jesus. I wish I had that kind of anointing. Praise God. She just went out. That's what, come, come. There's a man that told me my whole life. He's the Christ. And everyone went, wow, we want to go and see this, this good news of Krispy Kremes. <laughs> We want to go and see this. Come to my church. God's moving. The Holy Spirit is moving. Come to my church. We have a great pastor. Preaches the word. You'll be blessed. Come. Come. And they all came out. And many of the Samaritans of the city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. They believed in him because of the woman who testified. I prophesy to you that there will be people that are going to believe in Jesus because of your testimony, because of your witness, because of your example, because of the words of your mouth. They shall believe in Christ. And listen to this. She said, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed with them two days. And many more believed because of his word. Then they said to the woman, listen to this, don't miss this. They said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you said, but we ourselves have heard him and we know that indeed he is the Christ, the son of the living God and the savior of the world. There's a pattern here. The people came to Jesus. Jesus represents the body of Christ. Jesus represents the church. So the woman evangelized, and then they came to church. They came to the, to the church. They came to Jesus, and then Jesus taught them. So people need to be discipled. People need to be taught now the fundamentals, of course. They need to be instructed in the Word of God. Notice that. Then they did not just have an emotional experience. They said, look, now we don't just believe because of what you told me at work. I don't just believe because of what you said in the family gathering. I don't just be believe because of your testimony. I, I, I now believe because I've heard him. I believe because I've been in this church now for two months. And now I, I really believe now because I, I see it. I see it clearly. I have foundations. I'm strong. I believe. I, I really do believe this gospel message. So that, that's the part where the, the church plays. Because we don't want to lose people through the nets. So you've got to bring them to church. And they've got to be disciples. They've got to be instructed, established. They need to learn the word of God so that we can create strong Christians. Can you say amen, church? Let's all stand up. One more thing. Stand up. This is a challenge for us, Pastor Ben. This is a challenge for our churches, for my church, for your church, our church, the body of Christ. Jesus said, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them 
because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, and I say to the church this morning, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The greatest need of the church today is for men and women to do the work of an evangelist. Do the work of an evangelist. Leonard Ravenhill said, and he's, this is talking about America, but he said, we can say Australia as well. He said, America is not dying because of the strength of humanism. It's dying because of the weakness of evangelism. We need the gift of evangelists, the role of evangelists, the work of evangelists to come back to the church. We love the apostolic. We love the prophetic in the church. We love the teaching. We love the pastoral. But we've put the evangelists to a side. And it's time for the evangelists to rise up. Who's going to go out to the harvest? Who's going to go out to the harvest and bring them to Jesus? Bring them to this local church so that this church can be strong and be all that God has called it to be. Let's all raise our hands to the, raise our hands to the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. Right there where you are, say, Lord, I, I pray you anoint me. Anoint me to do the work of an evangelist. Anoint me to publish what you've done in my life. And maybe you're here this morning. You say, I, I'm, I'm, I've never received Jesus Christ in my heart. I've never been a recipient of the gospel. And today you're in this place like that man that was roaming around crying out. And you say, Pastor, I want Jesus to come into my heart. I want to receive this good news. that's you this morning, just as we have our eyes closed and our heads bowed, and we just, we just put our hands down just for now. If there's anyone that says, Pastor, I, I want to receive Jesus into my heart today. I want to be born again. I want to be a recipient of this good news so that I can give it. If that's you this morning, just, just raise your hands right there where you are, and we're going to pray with you, pray for you. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to receive Jesus into my heart. I want to receive my salvation. Hallelujah. Move, Holy Spirit. This is your day for salvation. Come into the kingdom. Come into the body of Christ. He'll sit you. He'll clothe you. He'll give you your right mind. Hallelujah, Lord. Bless you, Jesus. Bless you, Jesus. Now, this, this next call is, this is for all of us. So, we're all Christians here this morning. We're all born again. So, let's all raise our hands to the heavens. And let's say, with this, with this, with this act, let's say, Lord, I want to be an evangelist. Make me an evangelist. Use me for your glory. Help me see opportunities. Open doors in my family, my friend group, and in my city. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone says amen. And amen. Can you give the Lord a big clap offering this morning?
Come on.